1: Welcome to this week's episode of the Mum and Mama podcast, brought to you as always by the lovely Golding Accountancy, wearegolding.com, for all your accountancy needs. How are you? I'm good, we've had a very exciting week in the Bullman household, we got a puppy on Sunday. Because I woke up one day and I thought, you know what? I haven't got enough to do in my life. What I need is something else to look after that is like a toddler but never changes. <laughs> um, my girls, obviously, of course, my girls want a puppy. Everyone wants a puppy, don't they? And I was kind of toying with the idea because, I, I mean, I, I love dogs. I've always no, don't eat my computer. Um, I love a dog and I thought it would be good Juno is a bit anxious and I thought it would help their anxiety and I thought Lola would help her as well because Lola's quite um she's very emotionally mature for her age and she's quite alternative and she hasn't really found her tribe at her um, junior school she is going to senior school in September so I'm sure that she'll stop eating my computer I'm sure she'll find her people there but I just thought it, it's just nice to have something to love isn't it I think so yeah so oh I did decide against getting a puppy now because I need to have surgery, and after I've had my surgery, I really need a holiday. So I thought, let's just wait, and maybe we need to move as well because we need a bigger place. So there's all these things that I thought needed to happen beforehand, but I followed all these rescue pages on Facebook because my friend rescued a dog from Russia, and she's just the most beautiful thing in the world. And you can't really get a puppy in England, a rescue puppy anyway. they, they very rare and I did the only reason I wanted to get a puppy was because I've got a cat and I thought the younger the dog is the more likely it is to get on with the cat um but to be honest I, was, I, didn't, I wasn't really fussed but and also because I've got young children you can't really rescue a lot of dogs they need to be over a certain age and it's a concern isn't it because obviously you're taking on so you might be taking on something that's been damaged and then you've got to deal with that and I'm not experienced with dogs so I thought at least if I follow the um ones from overseas and we might be more likely to get a younger dog anyway this is really long i'm sorry i unfollowed all the facebook pages because i was like i can't do this right now but i didn't unfollow one and this little picture popped up of this beautiful golden puppy who looked like a golden retriever which is what juno wants and i was just like oh in a moment of madness messaged them and said how can i adopt this puppy and um it wasn't the usual, you have to fill out all these forms. They just put me in a group chat on Facebook. And I just spoke to the women. They really tried to put me off getting her. Wanted to see my garden and the house and asked who I lived with and all that stuff. And then that was it. The next day they was like, yep, that's fine. And so, and then I think a couple of weeks... Oh, I've just got a letter out. This is good recording this, isn't it? A couple of weeks later, she was here. So Dolly's from Greece... Go on. And I think she's going to be massive. <laughs> she's four months old. And we met a lab, because she looks a bit labby, and we met a lab puppy in the park yesterday who was four months old and she was twice the size of him. So I don't think she's going to be the 20 to 25 kilos that I was expecting her to be. I think she might be a bit bigger than that. But regardless, she is lovely and she's a lot of fun. She's very affectionate. She loves to cuddle. Um But yeah, but it's just i feel like i've got another kid i've been in such a bad mood all week because i just think i've missed so much sleep so yeah so that's my life this week so i'm gonna be posting stuff on her because i thought that would get me a bit more traction on social media as well won't it <laughs> because everyone loves dogs come and then so yes that's been my life this week so from now on when i'm recording podcasts i'm gonna have a puppy in the background i really didn't think this through did i but she's gonna be a good girl aren't you you're gonna be a good girl and not to try and eat the microphone Or my phone. Oh my god, they just eat everything. You've got all these toys and all it's like the kids in it. They've got all the toys and all they want is your phone or the TV remote. Anyway, this week on the mama Mama podcast is my second part of my chat with the lovely Henry Hate. Um if you haven't listened to the first episode yet, then I strongly suggest you do. The way I'm sorry, because it kind of really finished abruptly last week, but it's like it's a constant stream of conversation so I literally just had to cut and there wasn't any like natural pauses in it where I could be like, oh. And I do think like this week starts with um, me asking another question so it was kind of a good time to cut it. But yeah, it just the way it finished last week, it was a bit like, oh, that's the end then. Um, but yeah, this week he talks about um, how he got involved in film and TV because he used to work in film and TV and coming to London basically and starting getting in tattooing. Stop chewing the cushion. Um, yes, so I hope you enjoy it. Sorry for this very long introduction and I will see you in a bit.
0: A lot can happen in the next three years. like a chatbot maybe your new best friend, but what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times.
3: Work. There was always an element of rebellion in both my parents. Yeah. That I wished they would have been more open with me about. I mean, I don't think they really were honest to me, and because I don't think they were. Oh, he's going to go and do it. But I would hear my cousins, my 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 aunts, and their my brothers their brothers talk about what they were up to when they were kids. And I, I'm like, okay, you know. Um, I remember my mom saying that she went to a rock, her first rock concert. was an Ike and Tina concert. And she saw Ike Turner beat Tina Turner at a an American um, a Masonic temple off the stage. Like, beat her up. And, and I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. You know? And I'm like, well, I never saw something to that extent. But, uh, you know, so they would go to these dance parties and they would yeah. see this stuff. And, um, I remember her telling me that, and but she she would ask us how 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 were the gigs and I'm like how they were fine, you know, because back then I think shows were like three four dollars sometimes yeah. eight if a if a name band came in, and we would save all week and you know, and then I started working for a, a place in Orange County called Razzmatazz and that's where all the kids. Got their creepers their bondage pads and their manic panic hair dyes, and because my kids at school knew i worked there i kind of had this like, oh he works at that store yeah you know? and um and again this was way before social media that oh he was considered cool and some of the other kids from other school uh schools thought i was cool because i worked at that shop yeah um and uh and I didn't know how to use that to my advantage because I was like, oh, it's just my part-time job. I was, I think I was getting like 4 50 an hour, you know. Yeah. And um, I was told, honestly, just throw attitude, and just sell the shoes and whatever else, and, you know, just make sure, don't steal. And that yeah. was it. Um, and sometimes, you know, my friends would come in and want a discount because creepers i think were like $150 at the time
1: wow but
3: everything was being imported from england yeah so you know i could give them like you know $10 off yeah. shoes and you know my boss would be mad and i am like well do you want to sell or not Yeah. you know yeah. and um but and that kind of helped my mom cuz she got a discount on that stuff yeah uh but that that again that opened the world to all these other strange kids and um I do think hand over heart she wanted to be encouraging of it but at the same time she was so afraid. Yeah. Um and then when I started to make money on my own um and have my mm-hmm. own apartment and stuff my brother was still at home. I I th- I still think they kind of wanted to have a control. Yeah. And even when they met, my they came to London. My mom always said that I always, always had this streak that I was too independent. And I'm like, well, weren't you with grandma? And she's like, no, but I knew she was. But yeah. I think she was trying to say, I, you know, I provide for. And she did. She provided for us in the best way possible. And I think my mom more than my dad had to really think on her toes. And I think that that's what mothers do. They never get the real credit for it. And the sad thing is I don't get, I don't have that capacity to tell my mom that. I wish I did. Yeah. You know, um, and I've had to resolve letting a lot of the stuff, like conversion therapy go. Yeah. Because I don't think, if I look at the bigger picture, I don't think she wanted her son to die of AIDS. I don't think she wanted her kid to get hurt. Yeah. But she just wanted me, <laughs> to want to protect me. Yeah. It was um, a
1: different time, as well. I mean, it's so different now, isn't it? Like, with the, yeah, so it, yeah, people. it's, it's oh. a, that
3: change kind of love. more than anything, because of the love she had for my dad. And I remember asking her, like, why do you stay with this man if he's hurt?" She's like, "She's like, I know at the end of the day, your father's not an asshole." Yeah. To me, I think, yeah, my dad is kind of an asshole. <laughs> yeah. You know, because I, I try to talk to him, and he just digs his heels in and yeah. I'm like uh, my mom was a little more cunning in that sense um, and I, I think she's far more forgiving than my father was she's yeah. far more forgiving than she gives herself credit for yeah. knowing that now as, as an adult yeah. um, and I think that's really had a real huge profound way on how I see the world at large, especially yeah. because, as a, a a good artist, you are your job is to observe the world and put it out there to start a dialogue, to um to make people talk about
1: yeah
3: how the a, a certain subject matter and get them to see from a different perspective. Not agree with you, but to see it from a different. And yeah. if if they yeah. start the dialogue, your your job is done. Yeah, you know um. But with my mom, she, she was really, really tenacious on having a big heart and that I'm really thankful for. So yeah. now, you know, I would ask her because she, she's still very quite simple that you know, I asked her what she wants to do, she wants to go you know, she wants to go shopping, but she doesn't want to go to a mall. She wants to go to she wants to go to Walmart. And I'm yeah. like, Can we get a more ethically, you know, friendly <laughs> shop? And she's like, No, I wanna to go to Walmart. And I'm like, Okay, we will go to Walmart. And um and then I'll lose her. Yeah. Um, you know, and take her to a hair salon, just you know, just make her pretty.
1: Yeah.
3: You know, she just wants her hair her hair dyed and you know, How
1: long's she been getting Having the
3: dementia for when did it start? I started tattooing when I was twenty five, and when that happened, she wasn't very supportive because again, it was going to. It wasn't like working in music videos and films and B movies. It was, oh my God, he's you know he's he might as well work in a, a strip club or, yeah, you know a speakeasy, and even then you know in, around ninety five tattooing was starting to become it was still considered an outside artist thing um, but I had a friend who was a tattoo artist who made just as much money as I did but anytime I went to his tattoo shop he was asleep like on the sofa in the lounge, in the reception <laughs> and, and I was like how the fuck does this guy make as so much money as I do yeah. and I'm doing like sometimes 16 hour days and you know at a stretch at a time and, but I would only work, maybe work 10, 12 days a month. So what were you doing? Huh? What were you doing? I was doing hair and makeup. Okay. How and did you
1: get into that?
3: So I'd, I'd schedule my days and then the rest of the time I'd be off. Yeah. But when I was working on productions, I'd do like 12 to 16 hour days. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And, so what, you worked um, on films?
3: Yeah, it was full on. Um,
1: How did you get into doing that?
3: Yeah. And How? I did it for roughly seven and a half years oh, as wow. as as I was because when I went to art school back then you went to art school they taught you the techniques they taught you art history but they didn't really cultivate the business fact you did a graduate show and then maybe gallery shows from around would come and say who has talent who doesn't yeah. and they may pick five people and go oh you want to do something with us yeah. but that didn't necessarily guarantee you a career yeah now they teach kids how to approach galleries how to cultivate you know uh relationships with directors uh, art curators things like that um because it's a wider spectrum and uh, when i started tattooing it was a way for me to do art draw yeah and make money yeah and with films I'd have to read the script to go, okay, and talk to the actors or the production team and go, this is a character development, this is what we want, yeah, blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And I'm like, okay. But then you had to deal with the ego of the fucking actor, which was just as bad. Sometimes I got on with the actors and sometimes I didn't. Yeah. And, um, uh, unlike with fashion illustration, I liked the process. But I didn't like a lot of the people that worked in the fact because it's very superficial, yeah. like the film industry, and yeah. it enables that. And because yeah. I'm so anti-establishment, I'd be like, "Fuck this," you know. And I was like, "How can I push the envelope to have my own fun?" And yeah. I had much more freedom in films, getting away with stuff that I did in the fashion industry because if you fall out of favor with a click, you're done. Yeah, you know, um, tattooing. I didn't have to fall in favor with, you know, it was just like, let's do the work and you learn to hustle. And it was kind of Mm. like, like working in porn, kind of like joining the circus. And my mom always, every year, for about six years, she took us to see Ringling Brothers. And to me, that was like going to the Oscars. And to me, I love this. I, I have a thing for clowns and I forget, you know, one thing to go to the cinema. But when I saw the circus... And the trapeze and the lion tamers and everything. Everything that was wrong at home went away. It was just, it was pageantry. It was just to the highest order. And she took us every year. And once I remember saying to her, especially when she said, I couldn't do, be a Renaissance man. I said, I'm going to run away. I'm going to join (laughs) the circus. And I remember wanting to leave. I left the house and I came back like, Thirty minutes later. she's like, "What's about?" And I remember the circuses not going to be in town for another ten months,
2: <laughs> so I'm going to have
3: to wait. <laughs> she's was, she was like, she didn't say anything, but I was just like, "Ugh!" You know. And I used to hate, and to this day, I hated when she's right. Yeah. You know, um, but with 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 tattooing, it, you have these anarchic weirdos as well that. Um, could draw and make a living out it. So, and I, I, back to being in grade school, I made friends through, like, meeting you and Warren and yeah. Sp- Pip. And, you know, there was so, a talent that you could do to meet people. Yeah. And that was, that was a really amazing thing. For like, wow, okay, now I know how to, to do this. And as I did it longer, um, and I came to London... A company. It was Nissan was the first company because um, I'd already tattooed. I mean, if you like Boyd George and Alexander McQueen, and um, basically they're like, we don't want you to work on the launch of the Nissan Cube. Yeah. And I was like, what? And I swear to God, I never had the confidence to call myself an artist till about nine years ago. Why? Well because i was I always had this uh, to uh, had this imposter syndrome like I went to school yeah. I learned about color theory the art history and stuff um, learning techniques but I never had the the capacity to go you're an artist this is what you do yeah um and then when I was tattooing, I was like okay I, I'm tattooing I'm, I did and then when companies said, oh will you we want to hire you to do this. And um, it wasn't until I signed a contract and I looked at the the morals clause that I was like, holy shit, if I get arrested or if I badmouth this company, I'm going to have to give the money back. And I asked them, like, oh, because we do that for all artists. And I'm like, say that. And it's like, "We, it's standard procedure. We do this for all artists. And I'm like, oh. And I, and I thought, I guess I'm an artist now. Yeah. And um, and I told my, my partner, and I started crying. He's like, what's the matter? I'm like, because I've never felt I was an artist. Well, he, you are. Yeah. And he, and I'm like, oh, okay. And when galleries started to go, we want to re- represent you, I was like, okay. Um, maybe I am pretty good at this. Because... When when you when you're doing something you aren't guaranteed a a career or a a, a living wage in a sense, there's no guarantee, it can end tomorrow, but yeah. you're doing something that you love, you kinda of have this doubt, and then when you finish the work, there's the doubt is it good enough? Is it gonna sell? You know, you can tell yourself yes, but then you know, you don't wanna be this narcissist going everything I touch has the mightest to touch. Yeah. But you know, you kind of have to have this reality like, okay, there's, this might be this point, it might not sell. And, um, I have a collective side when I finish the work, but then when, you know, they, they put a dot on the wall, there's a, whew, or, yeah. I, I turn in the work and they go, we love it. And, and, you know, um, some I see someone wearing it, yeah. it on the street or wow, you know, someone flies in just to see me. I'm like, okay. Um, it's a nice feeling, but I've never looked at it as a, the end-all, be-all. Because I like the hum and isolation to do it alone. But, again, I never had that feeling till about nine years ago where I'm like, oh, maybe I, I can do this. Yeah. And the, the only person I ever heard say this was Shirley Manson from Garbage. Yeah. Where she said around... 42 she felt that she was good enough to be a singer wow. and i'm like you know uh, i'm like okay i'm not the only one yeah you yeah. know because i think you're given a talent you really want to do something but you kind of like well am i you know and i think if if you if you start down yourself that's the end of the yeah the, and i still have that okay because you know is, is is it going to be good enough for people to like it? You know, because you can have you have you can have good work. And if I look at Andy Warhol, who had a huge profound effect on me, kind of like with punk, he had these band of weirdos and the subculture, and he made this work. A Republic Picasso. He's looked at womanizer and alcoholic, but he made thousands of paintings and thousands of drawings, and only ten are considered. Masterpieces, but you think over the span of his life,
1: yeah,
3: ten works are considered. You know, it, but he just drew paint and paint and, and you think, wow, that that's a commitment to something. Yeah, and you you know, especially now in social media, everything is like easy again f- hey, yeah. follow me, fl- click, flex, clicks, clicks, whatever. Um, I've never done it for the money. Sometimes the money's been really fucking good, and yeah. I've gone through the point where I've wanted for nothing. Yeah. And other times, especially recently, where I'm like, okay, um, maybe you can of have that Vivi Mosso jacket yeah. and stuff. <laughs> but, <clears throat> you know, I have, I've told myself when training, you have to take the sweet with the sour. There's yeah. always going to be the flip side of the coin. My mom has tried to teach me that in a roundabout way. Um, and I think she was a lot more protective of when I drew. Yeah. And my drawings, because I would hang them up on the walls and leave them there. And sometimes, she. remember when I was a kid, she'd put them on the fridge. And that was a nice feeling. Yeah. Because she never... I don't think my mom was ever told that her mom was proud of her. And I think instinctively that kind of trickled down to me. Yeah. Until... When I worked and filmed it, she's like, "Oh, he's doing something that she could brag about." Yeah. You no, know, my friend, my son met this guy, and I was like, "You know, um, I guess that that was nice for her, but uh, was tattooing it, it was taking over my body." And I remember when I got a lot, she cried.
1: Really.
3: Yeah, she's like, "When
1: did the- you start? Did you have tattoos before you?" Spoke I tattoos? got ta-
3: my first tattoo was at twenty. Okay. My dad had a lot of tattoos. And my, yeah. my uncles all have tattoos. Yeah. My mom doesn't have any. My my aunt, her sister, Tina, she got one when she was in Juvenile Hall. <laughs> or what you call here, Borstal. Yeah. And um, it's on her thigh. And she has a scar. And so I asked her, you know she goes, oh, I tried to run away from um, Juvenile Hall. And I got caught on the barbed wire. And so, so there was always this, this element of this rebelliousness within my family yeah. that I, I knew of. And, and again, you, know, you don't want your kids chasing rainbows. So you always want to hold on to their yeah. tail. Um, and essentially when my mom knew that I started to do art and she came to London and saw what I created yeah. coming with nothing, she kind of, she backed off and then she she had a stroke about 3 years later oh wow and um, you know i really struggled with i think because of the whole thing of the conversion therapy that was the hardest yeah, yeah, for yeah. me yeah yeah um, yeah and i the the sons were to say but in, in some ways i felt like that woman died yeah. And um, I had to essentially let that go, but then know that the woman in front of me is still my mother. Yeah. But I think this was kind of like, in a sense, the woman I always wanted to have as my mother.
1: Yeah.
3: Um. So, you know, I think my dad's liked the... Byproduct of having two gay sons, like he's like, go get your mom a red dress,
1: because
3: he knows we'll go pick one out for like, you know, not just gonna be some slutty off the shoulder, but like we're gonna make her look nice, and, um, you know, um, she's very docile and timid. There are things that I I loved about my mom growing up that she was very, very mama bear about my dad and and us. When it came to like, we weren't her property, but that there was, you could not fuck with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when we were, one Sunday, we were going to the cinema, and I remember being really upset with her because we didn't go. Um, We were driving down Main Street, which was kind of like the high streets here, and she saw my dad's mistress walking to the sidewalk. I shit, you know what I mean? She did a fucking donut. <laughs> mid traffic. Oh, the car's consuming everywhere. And me, my brother, in the back, She going, Wah! and she drives up the car, her VW stage wagon onto the sidewalk in front of the woman, opens oh. the car door, and fucking starts wailing on this woman. Like, fucking... Oh, my God. Smi- and she's like, you fucking stay away from my house, you bitch. And, like, and pull, and like just... Pilting, and like, and the woman like, ran, we were in the back seat like. Wow. And my mom was like, terrified, like, and she, like sh- physically shaking, and I was gonna say she's like, don't say anything, she's like, just be quiet, and we we went home and she, we went to our bedrooms and we were like, we didn't know what to say, we were fucking terrified, yeah. and I remember my dad had a chopper, he was a biker. If you could hear his, his, a motorcycle coming up. And I was like, oh my God. And fuck. She was just like, she pulled a, my dad's gun on him. And she's like, me and the kids or that fucking whore. You can have both. And she's like, I'm sitting.
1: Yeah.
3: I'm just like, I was <laughs> like, okay. She, she, she's kind of badass in that respect. Yeah. But she was like. How old were you? I was 12. Okay.
1: I oh, was so you were old enough to understand. I, I, was, I
3: was old enough to know what was happening. Yeah. And I fucking, it tore me apart because there were times where I would see my mom home alone on a Saturday night. My dad would be out. And, yeah. And now he's, he's having to look after her. And I don't know if that's his or whatever, but you know, it, she, she stuck it out for so long. Yeah. and. But I remember How long were they separated for? You said that they were separated for a, uh, a while. My parents they separated went from eleven to thirteen to oh, fourteen. Okay. And um uh and then they separated again for another year. Yeah. And then my dad bought my mom a house. And, <laughs> and, and I guess you know happy wife, happy life, yeah. but um
1: did she see anyone else while she was separated from your dad? Has she ever had anyone else?
3: no i think i think I think there was a time where she there were guys that were interested in her, and I remember when my mom I was seventeen and she talked about sex to be matter of factly,
1: yeah,
3: and she said she'd only been with three guys in her life, and wow. I was like. And I t- by 17 I was like, oh my god, I'm a fucking whore <laughs> compared to this. And um not that you know I'd had that many, but I like yeah. I definitely surpassed my mom's yeah. numbers. And um and even once my brother and me got into a fistfight in our in the, our backyard cuz he had a sleepover friend who he had a crush on and the boy ended up in my room and I ended up having sex. With. I don't know how my brother found out. But we had a knocked out, drag out, like almost like, glad, <laughs> you know, and my brother was devastated and he, he screamed out in the backyard, I hate you, you fucking whore. And my dad and mom were in the living room and I heard him go, Irene, who are the kids talking to? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, we never told our parents, yeah, never told them what it was about. And, um, uh, it was, it was it was weird because, I think, again, I think my parents didn't want, want to be, like, you know, they wanted to be, they, were, they considered themselves sexually liberated to a certain degree. Yeah. But when it came to the kids, I think that's all with all parents. Um, but when she told me she'd only been with three guys in her life, I was like, holy shit, you know. And, uh, again... It's a generational construct of how you live your life and, and that end. Um, and, I, you know, I'm amazed that there are people now. Now it's like, you know, with polyamory and this, that, and the other yeah. thing. And, you know, I've definitely met a bunch of married men that I would have never thought would be gay. Because, But if friends, husbands, wives. It's like, you know, um, they've come and I'm like, you're my friend's husband and um, don't. No. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I don't want to live on Wisteria Lane. I'm you know yeah. I'm gonna check out. Yeah, um, yeah. But with my mom, I've always noticed that, she, that, especially when it came to us, and that there were certain things that just like I've I've seen that element that side of her, that that mama bear thing only three times in my life. Um and I and I think that was her way of showing us that she loved us and really wanted to to be there for us yeah. no matter what. And um so now I, as as Dulce she is, you know, I'll make her a sandwich and, and was sitting with her watching the Golden Girls. I when I bought them um a soundbar T V for their flat screen. Yeah. They thought it was the best thing ever. And she was just happy just sitting there. And my mom likes those things that I cannot stand. You know, there's going to Holly Lobby with all the, you know, the words on those plaques that you have in the kitchen. I fucking hate those things. Such bullshit. And she loves that stuff. You know, and and I think those are her ways of getting affirmations Subliminally in her head. Whereas, you know, I tell myself in the mirror. Yeah. Those before, like, snap out of it! Come on, you you got you got this. Yeah. You know, I don't need some reminder, but I think she's always wanted this idealized home life, in in a sense, and I've wanted to go out and live life warts and all within that, and I think in in a sense, doing that is in respect to how they've lived. Yeah. I. I've not that I've done more or anything, but that because I've seen what they've sacrificed, that's only encouraged me to virtually really want to go out and really try it to see if I can do it. Yeah. And 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 yeah, and I did. You know, um it wasn't easy, that's for sure. Um but I, know, but I knew that when they came to London, they, my mom, I remember my mom looking around, she's like, oh,
1: okay, yeah. all right. So did you have a tattoo shop in LA?
3: No, I was working for someone in LA at, at the funny farm in Silver Lake. And I lived um, much like Shoreditch, you know, it was very bohemian, the rent yeah. was cheap and, you know, um, had a, a, an artist uh, vibe to it. Loads of bands, and uh, there's a music scene there. Um, and I've always been drawn to that that type of thing because even when I was a kid, I watched Saturday Night Cartoons and they had a, a TV show, I think in 1979, it was um, with Debbie Harry and Blondie. And he was like, Oh, how did, how did you get? And she's like, Oh, I was just hanging out with Andy Warhol, and you know, <laughs> and I just hung around with the right people. And, yeah. and, and even then, I was like, Okay, take notes, I was, yeah. I was just like meet bands and, and, yeah. and, and, and hang out with creatives and I think when when you're in that construct you do tend to find um, those people to encourage your creative juices but I think because that was a world my mom and dad were always fearful of but wouldn't be invited into um, that they kind of felt isolated from and they didn't understand and and that was fine for me because that, that gave me my own that was something that was just my own. And even with my brother, he was a goth and I was a punk, we were we were just in separate tribes. Occasionally we went to certain clubs where they kind of crossed paths, but we didn't have um like the same so we knew certain people in, in social circles, but we kinda had our own our own friends. Yeah. And um, even to this day, uh, you know, some of his friends and my friends, we've known each other since we were 15, and, and some of them have actually kept to like their music and, and travel, yeah. and you know, some have won like RuPaul's Drag Race, and just but
1: yeah,
3: um, which is nice, but none of us tended to think, oh, this is what we're gonna do, yeah. but they still keep at it, and ultimately. I think because my mom's tenacity to keep up with the love of my dad encouraged me to keep up with something that I like, that was, art was my passion.
1: Yeah.
3: And, um, you know, cause I didn't, I didn't have a boyfriend, so I thought, well, I'm, I'm just going to pour everything I have into this. It wasn't till I was 25 that I, I fell in love, really fell in love for the first time, like hit me like a a car. Yeah. Um, and they met my boyfriend a couple of times, but I didn't flat out say, oh, by the way, this is my boyfriend. Yeah. And, um... But she... My mom never really asked about my personal life. Yeah. And once they came over to my flat, and my brother was always trying to put the boot in. <laughs> and I had a bunch of S&M things, and I had a walk-in closet, and oh, yeah. I remember... That fucker, he opened my closet when my parents were in my hallway and just creaked the door open and you could see these whips and, cl- oh. and chains hanging from, and, and my mom was like, <laughs> what is that? <laughs> and i was just like, I close it. And I'm, I remember telling my brother, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. And he's like, a I'm like, Ugh. but oh. that was how my brother would like, that was, that was be something my mom would do to like, and yeah. like, and I just, and. Ah, uh, it fucking annoy me. She never said anything, but yeah. I knew she saw it. She was just like, "I didn't." She, she didn't want to go there. Um, you know.
1: So, what brought you to London?
3: When I came to London, I just the the boyfriend that I had that I was very much in love with. I went into another relationship. Yeah. I was very, I was with this um, redheaded guy that was everything I wanted. And um, I was still very sprung on the other guy. Yeah. And I'd done everything I wanted to do in Los Angeles. I'd been in a band. I'd, I was working in a tattoo shop. But I felt like, okay, now what? Yeah. And I got a postcard from Frank when come to London. This is, this is amazing. And I met this kid in Los Angeles. Ta- I was tattooing him. He would cloned a section of his thigh muscle for $600. And he drove. He put everything in his VW bug and drove from the Midwest to Los Angeles. And he was getting the tattoo, box and he was grinning ear to ear while doing it, just sitting in the chair. And here I am, jaded, heartbroken. I was like, <laughs> fucking over it. And I was like, I just can't I was like, what am I going to do with my my life? Sucked. Yeah. Um, and I and I told a friend. I'm like, maybe I should just go. You know, give life. Go somewhere and just see what happens. And Tuesday I got this postcard, and I thought, I think I'm going to go to London. And my friend's like, no, just go for a week or two and then come back. Yeah. And I'm like, no, no, I'm going to go, go. And I sold everything off. I broke up with my boyfriend, Adam, at the time. And um, I got on the plane and I had an address. It was July 5th, 1998. I just virtually arrived and I was like, okay. Um, I didn't have a job. I only had one address. The guy said I could sleep on his couch.
1: Where was that?
3: He was living in Camberwell. Okay. And, um, when I, when I got here, he didn't show up for two days. And I was like, shit. And I lost half my money in the conversion. Actually, two thirds of my money in the conversion. Yeah. I I came with nine grand. I ended up with three. Yeah. (laughs) And, um. Virtually, he, he was like, Oh, I'm gonna do this and well, I'll look after you. He didn't show up, so I I got on the bus. A guy cruised me, he's like, Oh, so he, he took me to Soho and it went to a bar. I met another guy who, who fancied me, and then he took me to another bar. And then I'm thinking, Okay, I'm gonna have to find a place to sleep, so I'm like, <laughs> I met this other dude who virtually, like, he to come, I'm like, sure,
1: yeah,
3: <laughs> and um, the, but you know. I was 29 and you know I think I thought I'm just going to go with it and see what happens. Yeah. Um I did that for two, di- two days and um <laughs> two, two, two guys yeah <laughs> and essentially on the third day I showed back the guy was like where have you been? And I'm like well I kept leaving you notes I'm like I'm yeah. here in London SOS and um his landlord found out that I was staying there. She's like he can't stay and I was like fuck. He found me a house sitting job in Walthamstow. Yeah. Not far from where they had the dog race track.
1: Yeah, yeah.
3: And I'm sitting in this stranger's house. I, to this day, never met them. <laughs> and they had this really lovely collie. And I'm sitting there eating Chinese food. In Hollywood, you get to get the, you know, one entree per dollar. And I yeah. had $8 for this TV, dinner, one container thing. I was like, where's the rest of it? Yeah. Um... And I freaked out because the dog was watching me eat Chinese food. I'm like, in a stranger's house. I'm like, I'm down to like maybe two grand. And I'm like, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. I sold all my shit. I am in a different country. I don't know anybody. And I I called my friend freaking out. And they're like, well, what do you expect? Isn't this what you wanted? And that would be what my mom would have said to me. Yeah. I, I just remember thinking. I hung up and I thought, okay, and I never looked back. It was one of the stupidest and smartest things I'd ever done. Yeah. Um And I, I, I and, and I really do think that, you know, considering now, I don't think any parent would tell their kid to do that at all because they, you know, you, you you want your kids to, to flourish and thrive. And and um, yeah, I'm just like now, I'm, I'm just gonna go. Um,
1: but that's I mean, you went halfway around the world. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. To just start. So what? Where? What did you do? Did you get a job in a tattoo shop, or did you get your own shop straight away? No,
3: I'm. I, I got I got an apprenticeship with Bob Vessels and this this group of guys that virtually I was getting tattooed by my friend Mark, and when they split off and some of the artists left. And he's like, just hang out, just yeah. hang out and and show up and just you know, and um, I was painting, ha- trying to learn s- <laughs> learn how to put up drywall, and um. Five days later, it's like I was scrubbing tubes. He's like, just keep at it, keep at it, just show up. I wasn't getting paid. Yeah. And um, and little by little, they they taught me tricks, and then they said, okay, you're gonna be the full time apprentice, and I was like, okay. And I showed up every day. If I wasn't on a film set or a porn set or a music video production, I was at the shop. Yeah. So on the days that I was scheduled for productions, I told my boss, Bob, here are the days I'm not going to be here. So they'd go, okay, just make sure you come in after. And I was already doing 14 to 16 hour days. I would come in. And because my apartment was 100 yards from there, yeah. I'd go in the shop, clean up everything, wax mops the floors, go to sleep, sleep for maybe two, three hours, get up, go to the production, sleep during the ha- for an hour, and then virtually, um, start over again. But I wanted to make sure that the guys knew I was there. Yeah. In some way. Um, and I, I did it and did it. And it, I remember they, they told me that with tattooing, there's a Trinity blood, sweat and tears. When you hit the tears is when you have the risk kinda of like Marathon Running, you hit the wall.
1: Yeah.
3: And you don't think you can, you wanna do this anymore. And you have to get over that hurdle. And I think it was about nine months in that I, I hit the wall that I was like, I'm I, don't think I'm I don't want to do this anymore, you know? And I got I got through it. Yeah. And they were like, You passed and um I was like, Shut and I, I look back and go, Man, I but i think that's with any kind of creative endeavor that you 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 pursue you eventually go are you going to really do this or are you going to you know leave it and i i don't consider myself a quitter but i, I was very determined like no i'm going to make a go of this it it wasn't till when I met my husband around 2009 where doors opened in the art aspect where I thought, okay, are you going to do this? Really, really do this. Yeah. And, and I thought, and I had to sit down with him going, I I really want to pursue this now as as a full time art, art thing. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to be investing money. Is that okay? And he's like, yeah, go ahead. And I'm like, okay. And it wasn't till four years into our relationship, near the end, where I figured we should have checked out and stopped, that it really started to take off. And I think I saw that expression of my my partner became fearful that that too would take me away from him.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And, you know, kind of like we go somewhere and like you know, post photos and like, okay, just be me and the other artists and like, or this, this buyer needs you to meet with them and, and like hold my drink. And, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, and, um, I never, I never really thought of it that way. And it wasn't to, to isolate him, but when I was a kid, my, my ideas of what an artist was to the reality of what an artist is, a, a working artist, despite whatever fucking social media says, there's a lot of isolation. You work alone. Yeah. Um, and when you when you um, do work and you ask other people's opinions, you kind of have that mama bear protective shield around your work, but you have to keep yourself open to suggestions um but you you are in fact spend a lot of time by yourself, yeah, just kind of burning the candle at both ends and just working on it you have to you have to treat it like a job, and I didn't think because I was really bad at business or bad at math I was off I was like two plus two was hard for me
1: yeah
3: um, but as I got older and I, I had earned uh, owned a business I had to become very prolific at knowing numbers yeah and thinking okay this is a, now now I see that it's very important um now when I've had a few schools ask me, "Would you speak?" and and the kids are like, "Well, how much do you make? And who have you met? And who, how, What is?" Yeah. I'm like, "Yeah, that's all good and stuff. That's the rock star aspect of it, but you still have to treat it like a job. You have yeah. to like get up, do the work, and virtually look after your own body of work as well as your own figures, because yeah. if you don't, you're done. And um, you know, you no one." can be the, the best businessman other than yourself. Yeah, yeah, you can have a business manager and and stuff, but you have to keep on board of everything because it's full across the board. Yeah. Um, and it, it's not like, oh, I'm just going to draw a picture of people going to buy it and everything's great. I never thought, man, I'm going to have to buy a little shitload of tape, chasing up invoices, making invoices, making in inventory. Yeah. Then having to go, okay, I have to economize what I'm buying and like, and watch... How I use that stock. And then, you know, it's juggling many plates. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really involved. But I, I do love it. And I like the aspects when I'm by myself. And that exhale when it leaves the studio or when I'm told it's, it's gone somewhere. Because I feel like part of my heart is in someone's home. Yeah. And stuff. Or just even when I'm I'm worn on, you know, other people's skin. It's like, yeah. I forget what I've done. And then sometimes like, oh, okay, maybe I don't suck. But, you know, early on I remember hearing that being an artist is a poetic curse. Because you're given a gift that you don't know what to do with. Yeah. And you have to figure out what you want to do with it. Um. And I think because my mom has... Put her love into my dad. That was her passion. Yeah. Then I thought, okay, what am I? where am I going to stick my passion and stuff? Ultimately, you know, that has been my work. You know, I've, I've been fortunate enough to fall in love in life. And then reflect on how I have had a thought of, like, how my parents have behaved or done. And figured, okay, do I want to do that? And... In some ways, you don't want to be your parents, but they're the ones that actually shape you and yeah you know if you're honest enough i I, I do think more than anything they they tried the best they could with what they had, yeah um, more than anything i give I give them credit for that, and <clears throat> you know even with, even if it means what during the lockdown. I remember asking my parents what they wanted. My dad wanted to go to this awful, greasy, shithole, fucking pit stain tortilla place. And I, he said, oh, these are the best. And I remember biting into it. And it was this brick of cardboard. And it was like, oh. And he was like, this is the best thing ever. And I'm thinking, he can't be fucking serious. You know. I took my brother to, to someplace to say, um, La Durée. In Paris, and we had high tea with all the the tiers upstairs. Yeah. Very swanky, and they brought the patisserie cart with all the pastries, you know. And <laughs> he ate some, and he like the waitress came over asking, "No, she wants it." And I said, "Trappian." And my brother's like, "This isn't sweet enough." And she looked at me like, "Is he serious?" I'm like, "He's American, you know." <laughs> but I have to remember, you know. At different strokes for different folks. Yeah. And, um. I now relish on seeing what can make my parents happy. Yeah. For the time being rather than. Yeah. Yeah. Legal. So that I relish in. Just having that experience with them. Even yeah. if it drives me fucking insane. Yeah. Um. But even now, even with my mom's stroke, she, she knows when I butt heads with my dad, she actually grabs my hand and does the thing where she like squeezes my wrist to like try to (laughs) rein me in. And I'm like, uh -uh, bitch. And, um, but it's, it's nice to know that she still remembers those things. I know eventually she'll forget them, but I, it is now up to me to remember to keep those, the positive elements of my childhood with her. Yeah. Um, like, one of the most intimate things, I remember her singing to me. Um, my dad's brothers ripped us off when we were moving they, because they had a main column element. And we are sitting in this empty house, and she sang uh, Doris Tays Que Sera Yeah. And I never forgot that. Because so whatever will be, will be. Yeah. She didn't have the best voice, but I remember her sitting at, at the uh the stoop of the, the door the tra- uh the threshold, and she sang it to me it, it was just the two of us, and she sang it acapella and um that was one of my f- actually most fond memories of my mom oh like at, before the stroke, yeah, from her you know so I, I owe a lot to both my parents in a sense yeah you know i i i know that i'm I'm very grateful. I think when she bought me my first Donna Summer record, I, I thought somewhere, oh, this kid is just going to fucking live to regret this. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I imagine, you know, her too, the The pebbles were always there. I didn't think she, you know, she realized taking me to go see cruising, a 10 year old at yeah. 10. And then when she saw a photo of me in leather chaps, she was like, what the fuck? fuck you know yeah um because i never
0: imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to health care. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com.
3: Really threw that in her, or, or waved that stuff in her face because it, it was very private. Yeah. You know, my, and my brother is a drag queen, and I think... It must have been much harder for my mom to live with my brother. And then, you know, and sometimes I always thought that my mom would borrow my my brother's wigs.
1: Oh, wow. You know, and I'm
3: yeah. like... Um, but I think she had her own turmoil to try to f- reconcile Yeah. that with with her two sons. And, like, you know, I, I've never had that conversation with her. I can't now, yeah. but... Um, I always thought it would be amazing to see what she would have said. I, and I try not to think of just like, well, I hope that she would have made peace with it. And in yeah. some ways, I think she, she wanted to. Yeah. Because um, my aunts all know that, you know, I'm out and stuff. And yeah. That like, Because, um, I mean, what do you say to someone who's like 17? I mean, now it's so easy for kids to see TV and see a gay child on television and not feel inadequate. Yeah. You know, and not saying that the leather scene made me feel inadequate, but that was like, okay, I found a tribe that in some ways I saw when I seen drag queens, I was like, okay, yeah, great. But I was like, when I saw those my mom said to me those are the type of people and this was the 70s you always heard of those people that go to singles bars and beat you up yeah and i was like i was like you know um okay but um i don't know it it it, it still intrigued me and with like the circus with there was this into a world that I wanted to investigate, um, and 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 the scene did offer me that in a sense that I met I met some really amazing people. Yeah. Um, and in some ways, I it validated that I wasn't defective. It was it was okay to like that type of stuff, or, yeah. you know, there are other people, it didn't make you inadequate. Um, I think my brother, and I did tell my brother, don't you think it's weird that we have these alter egos, you found drag, and my brother would just, like, shut down, like, what are you talking about, I'm like, you think it's weird, like, you, you draw some drag, he's like, no, I'm like, Rocky, come on, and, he, and he's like, he deflects from it, like, yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. And which and is sad because it's like I think we were looking for coping mechanisms to get through an unhappy childhood in the best ways we could and for me art was definitely a thing that helped yeah um you know my mom had a really really amazing especially that they both had wicked sense of humors um and they they both had talents but i don't think they ever really utilized them to their their full capacity for fear that you know they had to provide for me and my brother yeah and, yeah um that i will never witness firsthand as um as a parent yeah. because you know i'm i've made sacrifices in other ways but other and in some ways, I am quite selfish in the sense that, well, it's just me, so. Um, but at the same time, you know, I think, okay, now, as I'm getting older, I I want to make sure that my parents don't go without. I yeah. want to make sure that they're okay. Um, now I have a, a more hands-on approach with my dad, whereas yeah. my mom, um, you know, my dad tries to get her up. And if I try to talk to her, two weeks ago, she heard my voice. She, she broke down crying, which is which is it's sweet and stuff. And it was hard. Yeah. Because she's like, well, when will you be back? I'm like, I'll, I'll be there soon. Yeah.
1: Um, Have you got plans to go back? Huh? Have you got plans to go back?
3: I was thinking about going back in November. Yeah. But, um, you know. But I, I do very much feel that my life here is in England. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of ground I need to cover I'm still with my parents about yeah. the house and stuff. And, you know, it's like, when, like you want to make sure that they're getting toward that age now that everything needs to be put in paper so that yeah. I'm not fighting with my brother. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, um, yeah.
3: Because it, yeah. it seems like when they leave, that brings out the worst. Yes. And I... Not that I'm looking forward to that, but that's just another out of stress I yeah. could do without. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you want to make sure it's all sorted
3: beforehand. But they're just happy watching Netflix and yeah. chilling and just staying home. And um, It was nice to see them during the first lockdown and be with them.
1: Yeah.
3: And uh, I know I've taken photos of my parents that I need to virtually figure out a way to put them in my body work in some way in a religious aspect
1: yeah
3: um but I know when they look at my work they don't understand it I don't expect them to yeah but I think ultimately without me even wanting to admit yeah they've had a definite impact uh, impact on how I view the world
1: yeah
3: my mother primarily
1: yeah from that Yeah, so that was the lovely Henry. You can i I've posted links to his social media. He's Sir Henry Hate on Instagram and then Big Sexy Tattoo as well. And Henry Haight Fine Art. But I hope you are good. I hope you had a good bank holiday weekend. If you were unfortunate fortunate enough not to be working. I kind of still worked a bit. That's when you're self employed you don't have holidays. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. But um yeah. Thank you thank you stop eating my pyjamas oh my god I'm starting puppy training next week she's going to be the best behaved puppy in the world aren't you darling Um, yeah thank you for listening please share the podcast please subscribe oh I have very exciting news as well I'm going to be at Bestival this year I'm going to be interviewing artists at Bestival so I'm very excited about that and hopefully I'm going to have Rob DeBank bank and his lovely wife Josie on to talk about Bestival soon have a festival because I've got kids, so I can't go and for fun anymore. Um, so, yeah, I'm gonna Work. have them on soon. I'm going to the festival, so I'm really excited about that.
3: Work.
1: So, yes, but big love to you all. Stay safe, stay sane, Work. and I will see you next week. <laughs> Bye.